The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I am super excited today. We are going to do what we do every day that we get together, and that is explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Even in the midst of COVID-19, the coronavirus, yes, it's a day in our life. And yes, we have the opportunity to live today at peace. So we're going to explore that today. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. And I want you, if you can, to close your eyes and just take that in. Peace, you, today. Every day, whole, complete, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Yes, it's possible. Yes, you deserve it. Yes, you can have it. And we work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guest to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. And today is no exception. I am super excited about our guest today. We have a wonderful guest, Dr. Wayne Beckles, and I want to tell you a little bit about him, but I can't sum it all up in this conversation. So um, Dr. Wayne Beckles is an author, an educator, a therapist, and a sought-after public speaker. He is a clinical social worker with three decades of practice experience in the field of mental health. So he's got a wealth of experience. He's compassionate. He's all of that. He's intelligent. He's just a wonderful guy. He has written, Dr. Beckles, are you there? I'm here. Okay. The book that we're going to discuss today is The Boys Club. I'm super excited. I'm over the moon about this book. But you've also written two other books, and they are, give us the titles of those. The first book is called Crossing the Desert. And the subtitles, One Man's Journey from Emotional Mutism and Life in Exile to Becoming Whole. And then my second offering was called Smashing the Gap, the Basic System for Academic Success. Mm, The System for Academic Success. Wonderful books. And we're going to jump into this topic. I got to tell you, it's been a topic that I have been discussing with close friends and colleagues all weekend. And I just want, I love the title, The Boys Club, How Childhood Trauma Traps Some Men into Childlike Behaviors. Now that coming from the mouth of a woman 
almost sounds like an indictment and just <laughs> who wants to hear it? <laughs> right. But I got to tell you, it was, it's a wonderful title. It's a, the book cover, everything about it is, is wonderful. And it's a, makes for a very necessary conversation, which we're going to jump into a uh, full head ahead here and just have a, robust conversation. But before we get there, I would love to share with our readers, just our listeners, a little bit about you, how you became to, to write these books and this book in particular, what your practice life was and just, you know, why this? So let's start at the beginning of Dr. Beckles and your 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 wonderful work that you're doing. Thank you so much for that. And I also thank you for that wonderful introduction. Um, I want to say that you know, when I reflected in preparation for today's conversation, I thought of the name of the show and also thought of practices that I've incorporated into my life that make it, uh, they've become such a part of my life, I don't think to say it out loud. But your, your show is peace every day or everyday peace. And to me, each, each morning, I know what's in me. Uh, the capacity to be nurturing, kind and gentle. I also know that within me is the capacity to take a life. Um, I've never taken a life, but I think we have to acknowledge that all that is within us and know that each day we have to choose which path we'll walk. So for me, I make a commitment to peace every single day. I also know that peace is portable. So you can conjure it up at home when you're at home, and then you can take it with you wherever you go. The reason I open up with that distinction is to simply say this, that I've been a clinical social worker for 30 years at this point, having a license in Maryland. And the year before that, I worked in D.C. jail, and then for six years, I worked at Patuxent Institution. And at the very beginning of my clinical career, I saw people who were living in what I felt like were the most awful and painful places to live. They were both locked up and experiencing a mental illness when they were locked up. They also had done some horrible things to other people and horrible things that they could never undo in their own lives, like murder or rape or harming their own children. And so it was after several years of working with men behind bars in particular that I realized that some of the things that they were locked up for related to some of the things like not expressing emotions, not being in touch with our own emotional awareness and well-being. And, um, and that wasn't too far away from the men in my very own family. And I realized that, you know, literally there was a young man who was serving a sentence of something bizarre that was unfathomable, like 60 years. And he was sent to the mental health unit because he couldn't imagine what the world would be like when he was released from prison. Now, I'm not gonna say that his crime was excusable, but his crime included standing on an overpass and throwing rocks. The trajectory of the rock went through the windshield and it caused harm to the passenger, to the driver of the car. So that was a crime he needed to be locked up. I, I'm not gonna excuse that. But I wanna say to you that as a boy living in Queens, 
I stood on an overpass on the uh, on the Grand Central Parkway and thrown rocks at cars myself. And it shook me that someone was now in prison for killing another person related to a thing I did as a child. It really shook me. So those were the beginnings of my commitment to say I'd really like to work with young young men and adult men to help them change their behavior before the consequences became something that landed them in prison. And uh, so this book is my most recent offering towards that objective. And I love that. Change your behavior before the consequences become something that you don't want to live with. And if we all had that type of foresight, wouldn't that be amazing to, 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 you know, to not say the thing that would change the direction of this day. Right. You know, just, isn't that amazing? So, and one of the things I want to ask you, but I, I'm going to ask you if you if you have the book, if you don't, I I can read this. But one of my questions: Who is this book for? And <laughs> but when you when you read the dedication, it's it. I, I actually, for people who follow me, they'll see it. I posted it in my story just before we went live here, because the dedication is so gripping, and I don't know if you if you want to read that for us or I'm, I'm thrilled to do it it's right here yes thank you yes <clears throat> this is for the men who did not know any better and for the ones who knew better and chose differently this is for the men who did not know they were angry this is for the men who could not name their emotion, but we're still controlled by it. This is for the men who were raised to, quote, never put their hands on a woman, unquote. This is for the men who did not fully realize what they were doing until it was too late, and they had already swung the fist, pushed, grabbed, choked, or in some other way hurt someone that they said they loved. This is for my sons and grandsons, for my daughter and granddaughters. May you all learn to resonate at the bliss level of emotional awareness and experience the principle of thrive while you're still here on earth. The principle of thrive. And we could do a whole show on that. We're not. We're going to talk about this beautiful book. But I wanted to say here that I would submit to you and most of our listeners that what we have mastered is the principle of survive, which is all my eons away from the principle of thriving. And I believe that what your book does for not just not just men, I will say for women too, for mankind, humankind, is it helps us to thrive to get into to get in position to get in place to embrace the work and the bliss that thriving mm-hmm. pr- provides it is definitely some work in there so the the sentence right above that i think is uh, the bliss level of emotional awareness mm-hmm. i think that some people may say the emotional awareness we spend a lot of time as a people 
maybe men do more so than women. People say that women are more in touch with their emotions, but even women, myself included, spend a lot of time stuffing painful emotions somewhere inside of us so that now is not the right time to deal with that, or that's too painful to be dealt with, or, uh, you know, put on your big girl panties and keep it moving, man up and keep it moving, right? And so this has been the principle of the process of which we've lived life and we raise our children and life is moving so fast. And yet you say that we could get into this blissful, I want to get the, it's the bliss of emotional awareness. That, that, That phrase grabbed me because so often we act without even taking a moment to say, I'm aware of having this emotion. And a lot of those emotions that we have are not blissful. That's right. And then your book set, you know, talks about these traumas. So I, w- I want to jump into this. And just before we get into the book, and the book is delightful. It talks about you know the stories and the, vi- I call them vignettes because I'm from the world of acting. Right? But these these stories of the real life experiences. But this this phrase here grabs me because this bliss level of emotional awareness I think I need you to unpack that for me because I oh, find so often that the emotions are not blissful. So let me let me let me say it's been a pleasure for me to. Um, I'm human. Let me start there. I'm human, <laughs> and I have to do my own work. That's what I mean. But it's been a pleasure for me to have this human experience mm-hmm. and go through what I've been through to get to where I am now, and to keep doing my own work to get to wherever it is I've got to go to. So bliss level of emotional vibrations, I'm, I'm going to read it because I think this says it the best. This is from the final chapter of the book called The Antidote, but simply it reads, many of my clients grew up in families that's transacted an emotional currency of shame, guilt, fear, anger, apathy, blaming, scapegoating, judgment, etc. This is the victim level. That's the lowest rung of of the three rung, the three tier experience of emotional vibrations. So if you're vibrating on that level of awareness, you are in the victim level. The next group, the middle group of emotional vibrations include desire, anger, pride, courage, neutrality, acceptance, and reason, excuse me. So I'm I'm aware that I call this the survivor level, and I'm aware that some folks take issue with probably what I'm going to say next, but I challenge my field, the field of mental health and behavioral health and and psychology, to keep working, keep digging. I don't think we went far enough when we told folks, you can move from being a victim and now be a survivor, because that's the middle rung of the ladder. That's okay. You've come, we, you've been knocked down and now you're back on your feet. But let me say to you, I believe I was sent here to fly. My, yes. my time in my life, I'm supposed to soar. So there's something more than just surviving. The upper vibrations of emotional, on the emotional level of vibrations, deal with love, joy, peace, enlightenment, so I chose to call that the bliss level. 
love, joy, peace, and enlightenment, which is to me how one thrives when you can exist in that space, irregardless of your external situations. So we have this going on, the, the desire to, to be able to exist there. And yeah. this is where I think the book just grabs me as uh, as a person, as a woman, as a mom. And I got to say, a lot of the women that I have talked to have been moms of of, of teenage boys. And wow. I know a lot of them are working today and are listening to this program because they were just as excited as I was to have you on the show. Because you're, the book deals with this traumas that occur in childhood. And, and what I know, having been a child and raised children, is that nobody gets out of childhood without some memories that they wish they didn't have. <laughs> right? That's right. <laughs> so, and so from that perspective, I realized that you can, you know, my traumas, and I talk to other people and I hear about their traumas, they say, oh, that's nothing, but that's their trauma. And that's what they feel is heavy based on what they had, based on what their childhood showed them, right? And then I would say, okay, well, this trauma is heavy, but it's not for us to judge the trauma, it's the trauma and what they do with it. And so I am so interested in the work that you do in talking about these traumas that uh, get men specifically. We're talking about men today, but I as a woman, I relate to this. Also could be me in, in, in many ways is me, has been me. Stuck in a trauma that I have buried and I really can't see clearly, but I'm making all of my adult decisions on this trauma based on the based on how I survived it or what have you, how I perceived myself in there, whatever my coping mechanism was then I'm still using it. You know, so I I don't want to make it seem like, oh, this is all about being down on men because it isn't. This is mankind. You made you wrote a book that really got my attention because it talks about boys getting stuck here, but it could very well be girls too. So what are some of the traumas that you see that really uh, are, have seen in your practice that led you to say, we need to talk about this, and yes, there is an answer? Absolutely. Absolutely. So there are a number of things that certainly happen in the world, and we may all have been exposed to one or another but the scientific research would tell us about uh, a, a, the acronym is ACEs, but they refer to adverse childhood experiences. And the wisdom behind that says that if you've had one, your rebound is okay. If you've had two, it's a little tougher. If you've had three or four, so the things that would would really impact you, and sometimes they impact you in a way that you are not aware of. They lead you to choices and decisions and relationships. Um, so one of my examples is my mother died when I was 10 years old. And um, I've had a good life. Um, but I also understood that deep down, I thought that that meant something about me. And it was not a conscious awareness, but it led me into staying in relationships because I was afraid of being abandoned and feeling that if a relationship failed, it was a reflection on me not being good enough. So this concept of the experience of abandonment 
and that's how it lands on a child. When it's, whether it's the death of a, a mother or a divorce of parents, the experience of it is abandonment. And then that manifests in adulthood in perhaps some dysfunctional ways. Um, so loss and abandonment, or whether it's the traditional forms of abuse like physical abuse, sexual abuse, neglect. Um, if, you have, if you're a child of a parent that may have used the substance, and substance of, uh, we, we put more focus on the illegal substances, but I tell you that the stories I've heard of children who've been raised in households of alcoholic parents, either kind, mother or father, those stories, uh, you know, they are as bad as any other substance. So just because alcohol is legal doesn't mean that the damage that it plays on the life of a child who's grown up in that household is any less potent than any other substance that might be abused. Um, so those are just a, a number of the, 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 the traumas that came to mind. But one of the ones that really stuck with me is... Um, what I talked about in collateral damage, we see the intergenerational impact of substance abuse um, by a father and then the daughter. And, and the daughter, the father used, abused one substance, pain colors, and then the daughter herself started using uh, heroin and opioids. And then she did the good work to become clean, but her father was still, um, because he had perennial back pain, he was still abusing the substances. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's so, and as I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm hearing this, and I'm thinking this list of traumas, uh, you know, I know that everyone's household is different. Every, but in in a household, there is no perfection. So you feel, I, I feel like there are more people, more boys, we're talking about um, men who who have suffered traumas today. There are more boys who have grown up in a household that has been touched by one of these things. And I'm sure the list probably is, goes on and on and on. Then there are households where something like this didn't occur. I mean, even you mentioned like the death, which sounds very innocent, but you're right. Death, the death of a parent uh, is feels like abandonment to a child almost, even though maybe intellectually they can understand that they had nothing to do with it, but their heart on some level is broken and they deal with this pain in a way that could impact their adult making decisions. So we got all this going on. And and I got to tell you, this is a sidebar for me. I am amazed that that we exist as a people. My background is in pharmacy, so it's nothing to do with the mind of people necessarily. But I am always amazed that we get along so well as a people, that we can interact in such a sane way when we all come from such backgrounds where there's brokenness. It's, we all get together. We're all these broken pieces, and we shop together. We drive in traffic together, and we, for the for the most part, we appear to be okay on the surface. And and then there's a, this occasional crack in the surface, and something breaks through, and like oh well that's odd, and, and you know, or and you mentioned something simple as throwing a rock off a bridge. We were I was driving with my family one day, and uh, we were driving, getting ready to go into the D.C. area, and there were these kids, and they were throwing rocks off up the, the bridgeway onto the moving traffic, and although it disturbed me, 
that they were doing it, but there was a part of me that understood, you know, well, the background, the area we were in and nothing else to do. You know, yeah. it didn't seem malicious, but as you said, until until somebody gets killed and now it's, it's definitely seemed like it was inappropriate, but I didn't see it as being, oh, they intend to kill someone today, although that could definitely be the end result. But we all live in these areas where we have all this going on and we still somehow make it work. But then there are these demons, if you will, that are inside. And that's really what your book is getting to, yes. in my opinion. But what was your overarching theme, I guess, that you wanted us to, to get and, and come away with from the boys' club? Oh, fantastic. So the, 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 when you were speaking, the, the, the word that is the main theme is the concept of resilience. It surfaced to my mind when you were just talking, but we all come from places, and, and certainly it's not ideal. Some of our backgrounds have impacted some of us more than others, uh, and some of us still struggle with those experiences. But the bottom line is resilience. I think we are a resilient people. Humans are. We all are. However, some of our resilience may have been tarnished by our experiences. And, and for th in those instances where we're weighed down by those experiences, where we feel trapped in the patterns, where it's depression or anxiety. I wanted to offer a way out for folks, something they could look at, something they could think about. If you need to do work, do the work. You know, if it will help you in a workshop, let's, let's put a workshop together. If you need to go to therapy, well, sign up and go to therapy. But to me, I, I believe that my intention writing the book was a call to action to say, there are ways that we're living now, and there's a currency we're transacting now, but that doesn't have to be all that there is. You know, you can make a choice. If your life isn't giving you the results you want, if you keep hearing the same messages over and over again from partners, if, if every time you get fired from a job, it's the same thing, and you, 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 it's not going to profit you to keep thinking it's everybody else. At some point, you might have to say, what role am I playing? Do I choose to keep playing that role? Is there something different I can do? And will I do that different thing? So I wanted to give folks an opportunity that if they were ready to do their work and to change their lives, so to get some different results, then pick up the book and see if it works for you. And if you, if you feel that your husband, your son, your boyfriend may read it and benefit from it, by all means, pick it up and, and get it for them as a gift. But frankly, uh, there are women as well who, who might need to look at some things, and I, I believe there are a couple of uh, selections in the book for them as well. Great. We're going to come back right after this break, and we're going to talk about doing the work, the boys' club, and the trauma that traps, boy, traps men into boyhood for life if you don't right do the work. <laughs> right, right back after this break. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. 
We are back and we are discussing the Boys Club with the author, Dr. Wayne Beckles. And before the break, we were talking about some interesting ways of uh, understanding trauma. But we have a caller here that we're going to go straight to. And hello, you're on the air with Everyday Peace and our special guest today, Dr. Wayne Beckles. Uh, I had a question. Um, I work with a lot of men that present as victims or having the victim mentality. And when I require them to take ownership for their actions, they generally become enraged. And I wanted to know how can, you know, what I have a very direct approach. So is there another approach that I should take with them to get them to not become so enraged, but actually recognize and see that they are responsible for their actions and that they need to take ownership of Beautiful. Uh, thank you for your question. Um, and I absolutely appreciate a direct approach. I certainly can be direct uh, myself. I've noticed as well that um, there is a level of awareness that folks have about what they're doing, which is why they're in therapy or having a conversation with someone about their behavior in the first place. And it's how much they're willing to take responsibility for and how quickly. That's where the challenge comes in. So I've noticed the defensiveness as well, and um, and I get to almost play a game with them about it because I said, you know, I've been a guy my whole life, so I understand the doublespeak you're engaging right now when you talk about how you're committed to the solution but there are certain things you won't do. So I ask them to look at the what they're not willing to do and why they're not willing to do that. Because I think underneath that is where the resistance really is being covered up or, or hidden. And it's asking them to look at their own resistance and why it's so hard to let go of that. Why it's so hard to let your wife have the passcode to your cell phone. You know, the day that, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff. But anyway, without, it's just the defensiveness and asking them to look at their own defensiveness and what's behind that. And less of a confrontation and more of an inquiry. That's how I approach it. Excellent question. I think that's a very interesting question, too, Dr. Beckles, because there's some advantage you have that we don't necessarily have as women is that you said, I've been a man my whole life, so I understand the double talk. And I would like to say that most women, we understand and we're very clear that we're being double talked, but uh, we don't have the... uh, I don't know, maybe the verbiage to get in there and say, okay, we can, you know, I see you, I hear you, I understand this is double talk, but that type of uh, behavior from a woman seems to only elicit more aggression sometimes is that, you know, now they really really can't hear you because maybe now you're calling them out on it. I'm not sure, but we're going to go take one more caller here. Uh, Hello, you're on the air with Everyday Peace and Dr. Beckles, our special guest today. Oh, good, good, um, good afternoon, Dr. James. Great show once again. Um, this is Tony, a regular caller, and I was calling because I wanted to find out from Dr. Beckles how to get a copy of the book. Oh, fantastic! Thank you so much. I my favorite way to get it to you is that I would 
I would autograph the copy and drop it in the mail. People usually get it in about two days. And so at the end of the show, I will give my, my website information and my Instagram information. But um, my, my practice is under my name, Dr. Dr. Wayne Beckles, and you can order it from my website, Facebook, Instagram. And I'll, I'll review those at the end of the show. And you're okay, okay to give it now, too, because I am aware that some people are calling from work environments and may not be able I to stay see. on. So we're okay Thank to give that now, if you like. Okay, that is uh, drwaynebeckles.com, and that's at drwaynebeckles on Instagram. Okay. And, 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 and as well, it's, it's Facebook. I don't mean to be, sound like everything is Wayne Beckles, Wayne Beckles, Wayne Beckles, but I thought that that was simple. <laughs> so that's the easiest way to find me. W-A-Y-N-E-B-E-C-K-L-E-S. And it's, that pops up Instagram, Facebook, and as well on my website. You order it from there, and, um, and I can... Um, um, autograph a copy and put it right in the mail to you. Usually the next day, I put it in the mail and you get it probably a day or two after that. Okay, great, great. I'd like to order two, so great. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. All right, thank you. Yeah, great show great. again, Dr. James. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for being a regular listener. We have another You're caller. Right. Well, the same, uh, same call, caller with another question. Okay. Hello, Hello. you're on the air with Dr. Beckles. Okay, so um, I have another question, which is when a woman has been, I guess, completely um, supportive of a man, but he disappoints her and completely lets her down, he's just not who she has been trying to build him up to be, how can she put him at his proper place of being the head of the household? How can she revere him again? Oh, oh. Oh, Dr. James, you didn't tell me people would be called in there with trick questions. So. <laughs> this is an intelligent audience, isn't it? <laughs> I know. So I'm, I'm going to answer that, but not my answers are not necessarily always going to be popular responses. So okay. I have the um, good fortune to have done a lot of work with couples, and 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 I'm you know, it gets easier and easier over time to see where the disconnect is. And so, um, it, because I'm, I'm a clinical social worker, I, I need to say that up front, and um, my doctorate's in education. Uh, but, but I don't give anybody advice. I allow people to have the information they need to make informed decisions, but it's always about the choice they make. So the question I come back to is, how is your current experience serving you? I never work with any individual to have them change someone else. So how is your current experience serving you, and then what are you going to do about it? Because that individual could always change what they do or change the conversation and change how they participate in the transactions in that relationship. And then I would give them the opportunity to make a request of their partner. And, and my client could either be male or female. And on occasions, it's a couple coming in. And I say, what's the request you have for your partner? And how can that partner honor your request first 
with their listening. Okay. So, you know, it, it sounds like this is a, a complicated piece where she's not getting the results she wants. And the first thing, if, if, that was, if the woman were my client, I would, I would have a conversation with her about what she can do differently in that experience. But ultimately, what I think we're talking about is having the behavior of the man change. And sometimes, unless that man is ready and willing to acknowledge that there might be some work he needs to do and then committing to doing that work, that man's behavior might not change. So then the, que- the next question becomes, what's the compromise? That is the willing is that man's partner willing to accept the compromise of he's not willing to change. So are you willing to live with that, or is there another decision you're going to make? So that's how I approach it. And then I have one final question. So many okay. African Americans are apprehensive with regards to therapy. How do we reach those people that need the therapy but are afraid? of getting the therapy. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> earlier on we were talking about workshops and 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 I know a workshop is not the same as therapy is mm-hmm. but therapy I I'm, I I have a commitment. I have a commitment that I recite every morning when I get up and I'll recite it for the rest of my life that I have a commitment to causing transformation in the lives of one million people. So if they get it from a book, then read the book. If you get it from a radio program, then listen in. If you get it from a workshop, then do the work. If you get it from therapy, then go to therapy. So I have a smattering of offerings for folks who want to engage in the process. And oftentimes someone might have an experience in a workshop that triggers them to understand that there's a deeper level that they need to address this on, and they might they might then make the decision to go to therapy. So to me, it is it is providing a cross section of offerings, a cross section of ways that people may access it, or at least begin the conversation. And then once the conversation is begun, it's up to that individual to see if they want a higher quality of life, or if coasting by with what's going on right now in their lives is good enough then they're not motivated to do any changing, motivated to do any additional work. Thank you. Mm. These are such great questions. Thank you for calling. These are such great questions, and I know they go to the heart of many relationships and many people's lives. And we we did talk about workshops, and I think that's a great thing. I just want to piggyback on that about the idea of workshops because you and I spoke earlier, and I said one of the things that I hear from African-Americans consistently and I don't know this must date way back to our culture somewhere someone told us that people write stuff down about us <laughs> and you'll hear people say I am nope not going to therapy I don't want them writing anything down about me but I think workshops is a great way to come together because we do recognize community and we we do have that ability to come together and I think workshops are a great way so and you do offer some type of workshops we're going to talk about that well, let, well let's bring that up briefly now I had so many things to talk about but I don't want to wait to the end because I know people ask questions and then they have to head off what, what do you offer in the way of workshops so I, I interestingly I have a connected to the book I committed to doing 20 slash 20 in 2020 
And what that meant is 20 workshops in 20 cities during the year 2020. Now, I hope this shelter-in-place gets lifted so I can get about doing the work that I said I was going to do. But it, uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited about creating uh, conversations around the nation for folks to allow them to come in and begin a discussion around transforming their own lives. That's the first part. But currently, um, while we're while we're um, sheltering in place, for lack of a better term, when while we're in quarantine, um, I've been doing something called soul sessions. Because yes. through this work, I say that the book is called The Boys Club, but my brand is that I'm the soul warrior. And through this work, I've had a set of offerings, because I do think this is work for the soul. And um, I've had a set of offerings called Soul Sessions, and they're Thursdays at noon. I do it Facebook Live and also do it on Instagram. Uh, so if folks are interested in in at least giving, getting a taste. I do a reading from the book, and then we have a discussion around related topics to that particular reading. So those are, in the meantime, we're doing virtual workshops where people can come in and just get an introduction to the work, but also have a space where they can do, begin some healing and, and be part of a community of folks who are just ready to embrace the deliciousness of life, and we're not just going to eke by an existence. We all are are working on thriving. I love it. I love it. And that's Thursdays at noon on Facebook, Soul Sessions. That's 12 noon Eastern Standard Time for those who are not on the East Coast. Um, so that that's wonderful. And I, I have a caller who's not here, virtual caller, who um, had a discussion with me and asked me to ask you this question, which... Um, I wanted to say this is a male, and I just thought this was a beautiful question. His question is, how would he know if he were making decisions from past trauma? Ooh, 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 ooh. Let me, oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, I love that question, and let me, let me answer it as directly as I can. I think... I think one of the hardest things to do when we're not at peace internally is to be still. Whether that's being still with ourselves and by ourselves, if that's being still in a relationship, if that's being still with one person and being present to them, or if we're in a reaction that's bouncing. You know, if we're running away because of what they said, or if we're reacting to what we thought they were going to say without being able to be in a space of listening and absorbing, even if what they're saying is hard to hear, listen to that and reflect on it. And I think many times when, we, when it's easy to have a fight or easy to have an argument, I believe that that stems up not from the person that's right in front of you. I think those arguments stem from whether it's a prior relationship with a significant other and now we don't trust them. We don't trust our current significant other based on something that happened with a prior significant other or there's some things that happened in our upbringing with our parents and, and, our, and the members of our family and we bring all of that baggage into a current relationship and we say, okay, I know exactly what you're going to say. Or if you find yourself saying, how come this always happens to me? 
Those are the patterns you begin to recognize. So I think the best way to put it is if, if standing still, being present to your significant other, if that's hard, or if just being by yourself is hard, those are the beginning warning signs that there's something unsettled within. Oh, I love that. And I challenge people to, especially during this COVID-19 time, spend some time with yourself. Get to know yourself. <laughs> turn turn the TV off. Turn, just turn off a form of entertainment off and get to know you and, and, and challenge yourself with that be still because that's true. If you can't be still, then there generally is something inside of you, an engine running that you're not aware of. And I have experienced that in my life as well. So I want to jump back to the book because we're running out of time and there's so much in this book. Listeners, I encourage you. The book is The Boys Club. The author is Dr. Wayne Beckles. Male or female, you will not be sorry if you explore some depths of yourself and learn to thrive in this blissness called emotions, emotional awareness. But there is a story in the book called Training Camp. Uh, that we're, I would love it if you could talk to us about that, maybe read a little something from there and just share oh that part goodness. with us. So somebody once asked me, um, as a matter of fact, uh, a, a, a dear friend of mine, he teaches classes in, in prison for people who are getting ready to get released from the community. And so uh, he, he was excited about the book and he wanted to adopt the book for the class. And then it has to go through a vetting process. So the folks through that process said, hey, you know, the title of the book sounds so clinical. These guys don't have that level of reading and that experience. I said, it's not a clinical book. It's just, you know, I'm a clinical person, so it came up with a clinical title. But it's about real-life stuff for real-life folks. Training camp is not vignettes from my practice. The training camp is about real-life experiences for myself and people of my family. So I'm I'm just going to read a little bit from that, and then we can go from there. It opens with a quote from uh, Robert Bly in a book he wrote called Iron John. But the quote is, the naive man often doesn't know that there's a being in him that wants to remain sick. After the memorial service, I'm sorry? No, go right ahead. I love that. That's so true. Yeah. After the memorial service for the last of my father's brothers to die, I was late in joining my two cousins at the bar for a drink to reminisce about our dearly departed diets. Although there were loads of cousins in our rather large extended family, the three of us share a special bond as we were born within eight months of each other. Only two of us grew up in New York, but we were shipped to the D.C. area to spend time in the summer at our uncle's house, where the third member of our trio resided. It was during these summers that we got into trouble together and the bonds of our kinship were solidified. As I approached my two cousins, they were well into their conversation about their respective fathers and were concluding that their dad's respective inclination towards being players was in the genes. One cousin asserted that her half-brother stated that he has a healthy appetite for womanizing, and this was further proof that it was 
genetically predisposed for the men in our family to cheat. For the record, this notion that men are biologically wired to be unfaithful to their mates is not a theory that I endorse. Although I have not been an angel myself, I'm willing to both admit to the wrong I have done and more important, I'm not only going to try to explain it away, I'm sorry, I'm not going to try to explain it away by saying things like, the devil made me do it, or it was in my nature, and therefore I could not help it. In fact, I believe that it's precisely this kind of thinking that lets men and boys off the hook for their irresponsible and often reckless behavior. It's also part of what allows those behaviors to continue. Hmm. This idea of promiscuity in men has oftentimes intrigued me um, just because I've always seen it as a stuck in childhood adolescence. And you see it play out to the end of some men's life that this idea of being a player and having a multitude of women is a badge of manhood. But it, in my mind, it always seemed like a little boy with a bunch of toys and he just couldn't figure out which one he wanted to play with. And how, why is it that we that becomes a badge of manhood how many women, even if they have this one dedicated wife or long-term relationship, the idea of going outside of this relationship, is that, a tra- is that attached to trauma in most cases, childhood trauma? So I can tell you in the most severe cases, absolutely. But I also, I'm, I'm all, you know, I, I know of someone who, who, who I've sat in a room with as a client who, who, who said, you know, after I leave here, I'm going over to the next state to because somebody responded to my whatever the things are. There are apps out there that you can do, and and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, he came in and he's doing work for being a sex addict, but he was just now that's he has a problem, but I'm not talking about him. So there's trauma that leads to some of this behavior because he had some. I'm not going to go into details about him. I don't want to say too much. He had experienced some trauma that we can clearly link to his behavior as an adult. And he was doing his work and 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 he is somebody that officially would be called a sex addict. But I'm talking about the other folks and some of this other stuff is ooh, there's a currency that we transact. When I talked about the double talk, you know, here's some of the double talk that we would say we're going to be faithful. We're going to say this is wife material. You know, but we, even in, in some of the music, we're going to say, I don't want to be a player no more. You know, and when I met you, you made me want to put my, my playing days behind me. No, it's not a woman's responsibility to make a man stop being a player. <laughs> it's not a woman's responsibility to make a man stop being a player. But as long as we externalize the locus of our self-control. We're never going to control that urge. We're always going to want somebody to scratch that itch. And I'm saying that that is, we've got to, you know, there's some of us in, you know, I had, we, into adulthood, I had a friend who wanted to call me and say, okay, this weekend I'm, I'm at your house. You're going to be my cover. I'm like, no, I'm grown up. And maybe you want to grow up too and stop that. You know, we support one another sometimes to keep this stuff going. And that's part of why I call it training camp, because it's a belief 
that we got to do this thing, and then we do this thing, and we find other guys to support us and have our back, and we call it bro code. All of that is the double talk I'm talking about. It's like living a double life. And, yeah. Uh, it, so we're, we're getting so. towards the end. We have about three or four minutes left, but I want definitely want to provide an opportunity for you to give your contact information and and how you know, we talked about soul sessions and different ways that people can work with you. And I would like to say this one thing as we move into 2020, the new world after we finish coronavirus, I do think it is each of our responsibilities to hold those that we love to a higher level of emotional awareness, this blissfulness with that, you know, just like you said, I'm not going to hold a space for you to do wrong. I will hold a space for you for growth and development. So with that, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And I would love if you could just give some, we got about two minutes now. I took up a minute. Um, Let us know how we can connect with you. Thank you. So on Instagram, you can follow me on at Dr. Wayne Beckles. That's at Dr. Wayne Beckles on Instagram. On Facebook, that's Wayne Beckles. You can also look me up on Facebook as The Soul Warrior, S-O-U-L-W-A-R-R-I-O-R. And then my website is simply my name, drwaynebeckles.com. Dr. Wayne Beckles, it has indeed been a pleasure. The book is The Boys Club. I am excited to uh, share this with our listening audience because I know that everyday peace is obtainable. Wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality starts when you decide to do the work to live your best life today in preparation for your next level of greatness. This is everyday peace. And we know we believe here that we use everything that shows up in our life. If trauma has shown up in your past, it's your job today to make the decision that you're worth the work. I absolutely love you. This is everyday peace. Until next time, stay peaceful. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.